Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. Curry near wing. Screened by Looney. Curry double dribbles around it to the rim. He scores. Oh, left-handed layup on the right side of the basket. And Curry makes it a 104 all game with 434 to go. And for the first time in over 50 years, the NBA will see a team go to the finals for five straight seasons. Final score, Golden State 119, Portland 117. The Warriors win in overtime and sweep the Western Conference Finals four games to zero. I think the way that we play, we don't take anything for granted. Um, every single night, especially when you get to the playoffs, uh, there's a hunger about us. And whether we win or lose, you know, it, we take pride in how we play. And, you know, five straight finals and the historic nature of what that is, kind of crazy to think about. Um, we want to enjoy it. We know four more wins defines your season. Oh. Man, what a start to the show. That was fun. Keep those calls and cards coming, folks. If you're famous. If you're only famous. Uncle Donnie. <laughs> From Diesel Brothers? Our boy Uncle Donnie. Woo! Yeah. I'm feeling good. The Warriors in overtime, Gordon, have uh, swept out the Trailblazers from the playoffs. 119, Just as you predicted. 117. No big deal. Just as I predicted. But they, I mean, I mean the Warriors are just a better team. Kevin Durant, no Kevin Durant. They're they're better than Portland. They're better than everybody else in the West, and odds are they're better than everybody else in the East too. So that uh, that came out. Terry Stotts, uh, some news came is uh, just finalizing a contract extension with the Blazers, as he should. And uh, they're also negotiating a supermax contract for one Damian Lillard. So mm. there's some news that uh, that came out today after the series is over. But as for the game itself, Gordon, isn't it crazy? The big stat that's uh, that's going around the media today is that Portland, as a whole, led in this series for more minutes than the Warriors did, <laughs> but the Warriors swept the Blazers. Well, they fall behind by 17, 18 points and got them right where they want them. They come charging back and uh, win the darn game. I love that. A team that has that kind of confidence and that kind of firepower without their best player is, is something special. And if I had told you beforehand, Jake that uh, Lillard and McCollum were going to total, what was it, 54 points, and that Miles Leonard was going to score 30, you probably would have thought Portland was going to win that game. Probably, but they're playing against the Warriors where no lead is safe. Playing against the Warriors, I tell you, it's like the little Dutch boy who's got his finger in in the dam, however the story goes. It's just a matter of time before that thing bursts open. And with Draymond Green and Steph getting triple doubles, and with that team being able to clamp down on defense, that when when Lillard was trying to get that shot, and Clay Thompson came over and uh, and with Draymond Green and put the yeah. hammer on him, I mean that's just impressive stuff all the way around. And I know a lot of our listeners probably don't like Draymond Green with his antics and all that stuff, but 14 rebounds, 18 points, and 11 assists. I mean, I know you might not like him, but you got to admit, 
The guy can flat play. He can. And he's the one who makes the Warriors able to be the Warriors, not offensively, because I think we often overlook just how good they are defensively. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson's a, a lockdown defender. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the best defenders in the league. And then Draymond's versatility allows them to do so much. And you look at, you know, we can talk about the comeback. Portland only scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, when it came down to, as my good friend Gordon Monson says, nut cutting time. <laughs> Uh, Golden State first. Golden State just absolutely locked down the Blazers, and you know we laughed at Ennis Cantor, who sent out those tweets after they beat the the Nuggets and Oklahoma City. Can play Cantor, talking mm-hmm. about Billy Donovan uh, when he said can't play Cantor Not all those years team. ago. <laughs> Not against the Warriors, as Ennis only played 13 minutes last night, and he he's just a complete liability out there because of. What? Uh, how versatile and how Golden State plays, and and Draymond Green is a huge, huge part of that. How many teams can you take the best player out of the game, out of the series, and sweep? None. Outside of the Warriors, there's not one. Now remember what Charles Barkley said before this. Uh, he, he said that the Warriors couldn't beat Houston could, or any could, other series. Or, uh, yeah. Is what he said. Yeah. And, he couldn't and have been more wrong. Charles, you were wrong. And we're all wrong sometimes. It happens. But, man, this team is impressive without Kevin Durant. If I'm Kevin Durant and I'm sitting here and I'm watching this happen, I'm thinking this team doesn't need me. I might as well go somewhere else. Well, they don't need him to, I, I guess, accomplish. I mean, I, I think to say that the Warriors are a better team without Kevin Durant, that just – yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't believe that. But the the thing, the way Kevin Durant plays, he is a ball stopper, and so the way the Warriors play without Kevin Durant is different. And uh, I think it's more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. But the the one on one player in the NBA still has a tremendous amount of value because it's the easiest way to score. And when everything breaks down and teams make defensive ad- adjustments and and things start not working. The NBA still goes to, I'm going to give it to my best guy, he's going to beat the guy you put in front of him, and he's still going to score. And Kevin Durant is better that, better at that than anybody in the NBA, including LeBron. And so when he's in the lineup, you have to use that. Right. You have to. Mm-hmm. But when he's not there and they play like the uh, like I think the Jazz want to play with right. the blender and the the movement and the pick and roll and all those sorts of things, I mean it's a it's a thing of beauty. And Portland is completely ill-equipped to deal with that in any way, shape, or form. But if they play Milwaukee in the next round, that might be a different story. Where defensively they're more capable of playing against that style, in which case Kevin Durant is his value goes up and up and up. Because Milwaukee's big, long, athletic, and they're the best defensive team in the NBA. They're going to need Kevin Durant probably in the finals. Well, needs maybe a little strong. It would help. Do you think the Warriors are rooting for a seven-game series? Back I don't think they care. They're going to have nine days off regardless, I believe. Austin, isn't that correct? Have, I heard. Uh, you... Yeah, game one is the 30th. Right. So, yeah. Well, that'll that'll give Kevin some time to get himself back together again. We'll see how it goes. But yesterday, last night, as that game is happening, I'm looking out in my backyard and I'm thinking how wonderful my analogy was. How your tree analogy yeah. from yesterday? No. Yeah. Uh, we don't. It, it, let's not go. But uh, you got to admit it was good. It, you nailed it. No, 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 no. It is. Yeah. You don't think so? No, I do. I just said yes. No. Should I re- should I recap for those who missed no, it? No, 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 no. 
Gordon cut down some trees and his yard looked fine. End of story. We've heard this story a hundred times. <laughs> Let's it, move on. You heard it once. Twice. Twice? I've told that story twice? Yeah. When did I tell it before? Yesterday, twice. You told it again at six o'clock. Oh. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. Oh, that's a good story. I don't think I can top that. Uh-huh. It's funny how we forget sometimes what we say in the Strange yeah. how that happens, isn't it? Very strange. Thing about Jordan Love. I'm writing a QB story right now, and I'm talking to a few coaches about uh, the top quarterbacks in the country, about guys to keep an eye on. His name comes up all the time, all the time. So to a degree, I think there are people on a national level who don't know Jordan Love. The people in the profession, I think this is a breakout year for him and a kind of a breakout career for him to a degree that perhaps um, I think you'll start hearing about him in the NFL draft in the very near future. Not to say he's going to go this year, but you'll start hearing about him as a prospect. That was Paul Meyerberg on with Tony and Austin earlier today. Ben, oh, last week, excuse me. Uh, talking a little college football. We'll get into some college football here. But band of the day today is Donny Osmond, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at livenation.com. And we were talking about famous people that, that would be listening to the show right now. And isn't Donny the most famous of all Utahns? Uh, he's got to be up there. Is he I mean, still doing his lounge show down in no, Vegas? No, I think this. Well, they're clo- they're wrapping it up. If it's not over yet, I saw it. It's good. If you were a if you were a singer artist, you know whatever, wouldn't uh, a stay in Vegas? What do they call that um, when you're down there? A residency? And wouldn't that be just the way to go? I'm sure they're just raking in the dough down there. Don't have to travel anywhere. You know, oh, hang yeah. out. Yeah, they can fly home if they right. want. Right. Live the good life down there in Las Vegas. Weather's usually pretty good. Maybe bounce, take a vacation in the summer. But I would think if you were somebody like Donny Osmond or what, Elton John, Celine Dion, Britney Spears, all these people that have done that down there, that'd be living the dream, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and you're entertaining people who are eager to see you every, every show. You're selling out every night and you don't have to go anywhere. If anybody knows Donnie, and he, I know Donnie's a sports fan to some degree, isn't he? Why Why are we begging for attention today from famous people? What is the – do we need an ego boost or something? What's going on? If that's what you want to call it. <laughs> then yes. <laughs> yeah. You're darn right. Okay. All right. Well, if you're listening out there, Donnie, tweet Gordon or something. Make him feel better. No, no, no. Call in. Call in. Uh, 855-340-ZONE. <laughs> that is the number. 855-340-ZONE. Or Marie? <laughs> sure, Marie, give us a rig. <laughs> Any of that Osmond crew down there, let us know. Holler up. I mean, we had uh, what uh, President Uchtdorf's brother call in in the <laughs> Helmut? first- Helmut? Uchtdorf in the first segment. So we'll take siblings. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk a little college football here. A couple things uh, on the agenda. You heard, My- uh, you heard Meyerberg talking about Jordan Love right there. Uh, Mel Kiper of ESPN fame put out the 2020 NFL draft rankings, Kiper's top prospects at every position. And he has top prospects, senior quarterbacks, and then underclassmen quarterbacks. And Jordan Love comes in at number five on uh, Mel Kiper. So looking at uh, quarterback play for the next level. I don't, I don't think that that should be much of a surprise to anybody. No. I, I think Jordan Love's got the, the size and skill to absolutely be an NFL prospect. I agree with that completely. And having gotten to know him a little bit last year, uh, I, I, uh, I think even more. 
that way. That was one of my favorite columns of yours last year, by the way. Yeah, it was a very interesting story. Uh, Jordan is... I wonder how he's going to do this year with with so many of those offensive linemen graduated. It's going to be a little bit different. Losing some of his top targets as well. Will they be able to protect him enough for him to be able to show what he can do? And probably not easy to adjust to a new coaching staff. You know, he had he had such a rapport with the old coaching staff and my lookalike up there that right. uh, I think that was I, I think that was kind of a, a a nice team of coaches and and you know player being on the same page. And you did you wrote about that in, in that column. In fact, that he's going to have to build that new rapport with the new staff. And so I think that that will be a challenge and something that we'll have to find out. But the talent is, the talent is there. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and having spoken with the coaches up there, they they uh, I remember them circling. I think I mentioned this before, but I I remember them taking note of a play against BYU. I think it was fourth and goal, something like that. And Jordan Love. Uh, he threw a touchdown pass, but the receiver he threw it to was his fourth option. Wow, a receiver doing checkdowns. Or, uh, excuse me, a quarterback doing checkdowns. It's not something you often see in college football no, these days. That's, that's pretty impressive, and it was impressive to the coaches as well. That tells you the kid is maturing into a seasoned quarterback who's got more than just talent. PK asked DJ an interesting question this morning. I'll ask you the same thing. It does Utah, the University of Utah, win more games last year with Jordan Love as their quarterback than Tyler Huntley? Well, if you're asking me if, if I think Jordan Love is a better quarterback than Tyler Huntley, then my answer is yes. But it, And this is where I thought the conversation this morning took an interesting turn. Maybe you believe that, but would Jordan Love be a good fit for Kyle Whittingham's system or what Kyle Whittingham wants because he wants a quarterback who can run? And not that... Uh, Jordan Love is Dan Marino back there, but he's not the runner that Tyler Huntley is, right? <laughs> Sorry, the image of Dan Marino running around. Not a runner, Dan. <laughs> not a, not you know, a runner. And, and you know the thing that Marino did, one of the things he did so well is if a defensive lineman or a blitzing linebacker uh, or, or defensive back came anywhere near him, nobody could dump the ball or throw the ball away better than Dan Marino. Because he didn't even want to get touched. Well, yeah, and with that elusive uh, lack of elusive <laughs> capability, <laughs> he better get rid of it, or he's in real trouble. Uh, well, if, if if I have Jordan Love as my quarterback, I'm going to change that offense up. Yeah, he's worth it. But the great coaches adjust to the players they have. They don't try to force the players to do what they have some preconceived idea of what an offense should be. Not if you have Jordan Love. Yeah. And Utah's targets aren't necessarily terrific either. So I mean, uh, if I think they're good enough. I think Jordan Love would have been able to take advantage. Of that. Are you kidding me? Britton Covey would have seen the ball coming between his numbers every single game, a bunch of times. Yeah, but. Britton Covey wasn't the issue with Utah's receiving core. They just have they haven't had a number one for a long time. And Covey's a slot guy, uh, and and you can't argue with his production. Well, but maybe he's, a he's, quarterback like that would make receivers better. Yeah, maybe. I think he would. Utah needs more top end talent at receiver, which is is which is hard, uh, a tough ask for that program. Because if you were a top end receiver, why on earth would you go to Utah? So uh, you can block. 
<laughs> nice recruiting pitch there. <laughs> we want you to come here and really hone in those blocking skills. We're going to... Because you're not going to see the ball much. <laughs> no. <laughs> so as soon as you hear the crowd roar, you know either Tyler Huntley or Zach Moss is heading downfield. And you're blocking. And was, you best turn worked. around and lay a block. <laughs> That's what we want from you. Some practice that. What do they do? In, in Utah's football practices, do the receivers, I mean, are they hitting the, 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 the dummy over and over again? They should be. <laughs> Son, let me tell you, uh, talk to you about the glory of blocking at the University of Utah. This will get you a pro contract. I want day. you to come here and block a lot. I think we're overcooking that a little bit. <laughs> anyway, I, I do think Jordan Love is a terrific talent, and uh, I, I think he's very good, and I think he would make any team better. Um, but, you know, Tyler Huntley is built a little bit more for maybe what Kyle Winningham wants out of a quarterback, and he's, he's well, said that yeah, on numerous occasions. I, but see, I disagree with that. I think if he had Jordan Love, he'd bend that offense around. Maybe. Andy Ludwig certainly would, and I think we're going to see him run a little bit more of a traditional offense at Utah, which, well, by the way, I think is— for $2.5 million a year, then he'd be best, uh, he best be able to be uh, ambidextrous and flexible and all kinds of stuff. Well, let's hold the phone a little bit. He's not making two point five what, what a it? year. What it's is it? It's 2.5 over 3. Oh, okay. So <laughs> That sounds a, little, a lot better a the first time. It's eight hundred and twenty grand. <laughs> that's year. nothing, man. That's peanuts. For an accomplished uh, offensive coordinator? That's really Sorry, I good. got carried away there for a minute. That's the highest paid coordinator in Utah history. <laughs> he's making a, he's, he's closing in on Kyle Whittingham. What's Kyle up to, four? Yeah, 4.1. Good to be Kyle. It is good to be Kyle. And if he retires during this contract, he also gets paid like an eighth of his salary for eight years just to play golf. <laughs> He's going to spend a lot of time in the South Pacific, I have a feeling. Yeah, you know, doing uh, associate athletic, because they would give him the title of uh, associate athletic director or something along those lines. Be like, I'm, I'll help, but I'm helping from uh, Tahiti. Here's have Ka- a good one. Kyle Whittingham picks up his phone, <clears throat> calls his financial advisor. Yeah, Bill, what can I do with all this money? Uh, invest in condos on Maui? Okay. Sounds good. Uh, that is the other news of the day. Uh, Kurt Cragthorpe of the Salt Lake Tribune uh, digging into the contract of Andy Ludwig. He, he will make $820,000. He signed a three-year contract. Um, That's and, not surprising at all. Well, the three-year contract is a little bit. Oftentimes, mm. assistants don't sign long-term deals. Mm, they should, if they're good. Well, you I just, think he's good. Uh, you just don't see it very much. That's all I'm saying. And you haven't seen it very much up in Utah. Well, they probably had to do it to get him. I do think he's an upgrade over Troy Taylor. I don't think there's any argument about that. Really? Yeah. Seem to be a lot of Troy Taylor defenders out there. Really? Yeah. Based on what? Um, that stellar performance against Washington in the Pac-12 title game? It just it just seems like, well, let me not to bring up a, a sore subject, but we talked about how maybe he wouldn't be good enough for it wasn't good enough for that job and was. It, it, it being encouraged to leave, <laughs> let's just say we got a little pushback on that whole, on that whole thing. Oh, well, it's the way it goes. It's but, an upgrade, but that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's probably an upgrade too. We'll see what he does. Yeah, if if you talk and get that offense clicking, 
And think about it. With the defense they have, with that defensive front, they're they're going to be capable of of uh, of living up to the preseason hype. Unlike a lot of fans out there, uh, though, I think that Utah should only pass the ball maybe like two times a game. <laughs> Come on! I think they need to to run, run, run. Don't you know that run the, some more? Don't you know that the capability of throwing the football opens up the run game? It doesn't matter. They need to do what Norm Chow did when he had his one year at coordinator for Utah. Throw <laughs> the ball on. throw the ball deep on the first play of each half. <laughs> and then just, just run it loosen, down their throat. Just to loosen everyone's joints up a little bit. For the bit. rest of the game. That was the game plan. He he pulled John Hayes aside and he said, All right, I don't I don't care if it's accurate. I don't care if there's even a receiver in the neighborhood. I just want you to throw it as far as you can. And then we're going to let John White the fourth run for the rest of the game. <laughs> well, wait a second. Ready, break. I think they have a slight upgrade from John Hayes. No, no offense, John. Agreed. But, but And I'm overstating it, obviously, to prove a point. But I, I think Utah is now and should be going forward a, a heavy run team. Well, I'm not exactly sure what that means. But uh, I think it, it would help Utah's offense to be able to pose a threat in all the quadrants on the field. I think that you want to see uh, an Andy Ludwig coordinated offense that resembles Wisconsin in his years up there, and not. I, I never understood why they hired Troy Taylor, who had an air raid background anyway. That made no sense, no sense whatsoever. Kyle Whittingham doesn't want to run that offense. Are you crazy? Maybe he wanted to be able. Maybe he wanted to be capable of doing it, just not quite as frequently. Hmm. All right, we'll get to more coming up next. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone.